morning, good morning. Welcome to Milestone Church. So glad that you are here this morning. Uh, as Alex said, we are so thrilled uh, when first-time guests join us. And if I had not had a chance to meet you, I look forward to meeting you after service. Uh, we're excited about this season. It's Christmas at Milestone, and uh, I love moments like this. Last week, we started this little two-part series before we get into our candlelight service, and uh, we talked about joy and what it looks like to experience joy. These kids were experiencing joy. I, I don't know about you, but I love a good kids' choir. I mean, Wendy leaned over, and she's like, I love it. I, I really, I was trying to like, can I get, I like that we added like, I mean, you know, Legend's over here. He's like six foot four. I'm like, can I sneak in there? You know what I mean? I've been practicing. Happy birthday, Jesus. I mean, no, I mean, they, they, I, I asked one of the little ones, Micah Dominguez was up here. Uh, he was up here early. I said, what do y'all think? And Micah gave me kind of like that long blink. He just kind of went, which I interpreted as stay in your lane, Pastor Chris, stay in your lane. So, I, I mean, one day maybe I'll make it to the kids' choir, but uh, that's not the only time that we had joy. Uh, it, it, this past week, there were a group of ladies that had joy on Tuesday night. We had our joy Christmas celebration, our women's event. It was amazing. It was an incredible time, and uh, it was so exciting to see. And I just want to take a minute. I want to thank all of the men volunteers that were up here, all the lady volunteers that got up here early to finish up setup and decoration and get everything prepared for you. Uh, and I want to thank, there was actually a group of women that got together for months. They prayed for you. They prayed for that moment. They prayed for joy. They were praying for Brandy. They did a lot of uh, preparation, and I'm just so grateful for all those that took the time uh, to really invest. And, and I'm so proud of you, Milestone. Ladies, you showed up. I mean, I'm telling you, there were more women that I met that I did not know that came because you invited them. And it was amazing to see how many first-time guests we had, how many people were invited. This room, this whole floor down here was packed out with women worshiping, experiencing God's presence. And uh, it was just incredible to see, and I'm just so grateful. And uh, it was just, a, it was really, it was a moment of celebration. Someone asked me earlier, I said, how was the uh, women's event? I said, well, it was kind of like what my day is and what my life is every single day. I have three daughters and a wife. Uh, and as I've shared with you, uh, a, a little dog that's a girl, and, and they've been coming to the church for a little bit. They've heard me share that the husband said, Thank God for Oliver. That's my pet hamster, okay? He's the only other male in the house. So it was, it was a great week. It was an exciting week. And we're getting ready. It's crazy to think next week we're going to begin our Christmas candlelight services. And when I think about Christmas, I think about this season. There's so much that goes on. And this is certainly gift-giving season. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you're getting the gifts, you're receiving gifts, you're purchasing gifts, you're giving gifts. I received a gift this past week. Uh, actually, it was last Sunday after service. Uh, it's one of those moments where you get a gift and it's kind of life-changing. You ever had one of those kind of gifts that was just impactful? And uh, it, it, was, it was really, it, it really transformed me, okay? You've heard me share about this individual who has impacted my life, uh, especially during football season. Um, maybe you've seen some of his videos, some would say commercials, but he's actually written a book. And uh, this was the gift that I got this past week. And uh, it's, it's Dr. Rick. Maybe you're familiar with the progressive commercials. How to, how to unlearn being your parents, you know. And when I got this gift, I mean, I enjoy the commercials. You know, you, you've seen the commercials. You know, the, these guys are, you know, you're, you're kind of doing things that you're like, I feel like I'm becoming my mom or my dad. And, 
And I thought, I wasn't sure if like this individual gave me this gift because I had referenced them before. Or maybe they're, they're telling me something that I don't realize. Like, you, you're kind of, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're getting to that place, Pastor Chris. You know, I'm early 40s now, and it's like, okay, am I, am I kind of starting to sound like my dad? You know, am I starting to do these things? You know, I mean, I feel like I have a good, strong, like, you know, dad joke game, you know, and so that was referenced in here. But chapter one really kind of hit me right where it hurt. I, I started to realize perhaps this book was written for me. It, it talks about how to untalk like your parents. I thought, well, I don't talk like my parents. I don't, I don't sound like that. And I got to this one page. What parents say to their waiters and what you should say. And, and I started reading the list of what parents say. And, and, and they say things like clean plate club. I, I've said that before. They, they say, yeah, we hated it, as you can tell. I, I, I've said that before. They say, okay, twist my arm. Can I see the dessert menu? I, I've said that before. But it, this book helped me because it says, here's what you should say. Thank you. That's it. Just say thank you. And so you start thinking about this, and as humorous as this gift was, I was actually really surprised. I mean, they played it up. I loved it. I was just grateful that they were thoughtful about it. And you start thinking about things like that. You start thinking about family. You start thinking about interactions that you're going to have. You start thinking about this season. Some of you, you've already started to prepare yourself mentally and emotionally for the family engagements that you're going to have. And, and family is fun. There, there's a lot of exciting memories that you probably have growing up. There's exciting memories that you've created, things that you've experienced. But in the same hand, time with family can be challenging. It can be hard. There can be a lot that goes into it. And, and the truth is, it can be overwhelming because all of us, at some level, here's what we're pushing towards. We're trying to experience this moment. This, this one big moment of experiencing something that will turn into uh, really lasting memories. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 2. Uh, but before we get to Matthew chapter 2, we're going to stop off in Isaiah 9. And so when you think about these moments, I'm reminded of what we talked about last week, the, per the words of Paul. We're all moving towards these moments where we experience joy, but there's also something else we want to experience, peace. Paul talked about this, and we shared this last week in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I'll put it on the screen for you. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, you experience that joy when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. But then when you experience that joy, you come into a moment where you experience his presence, and it's in his presence that you experience peace. And really, that's what we're looking for. These moments that we want to create, these times, these memories, we'll have all of those things. But really what we're looking for is joy and peace. But it doesn't just stop there. If we're simply looking for joy and peace for ourselves, then we miss it. We miss really the goal of what it's all about because really if we start thinking about those that we love, if they experience joy and peace, then that would make Christmas in this season well worth it. If those that are far from Jesus, that are hurting and in, in pain and, and perhaps they're experiencing the first Christmas season without a loved one or, or maybe this time has been fractured and, and the interaction with family members or, or parents is challenging. But if they could experience that joy and peace, it would make Christmas well worth it. 
What if they could experience that? What, what if that was the thing that transformed them? You see, if people could see the glory of Jesus, if they could receive the grace, if they could hear truth, then Christmas would be worth it. Everything that you're working for and looking for. And here's the amazing thing about Jesus is anything is possible with God. God can do anything in anybody's life. He can impact them in ways that you couldn't even imagine. But where does that come from? It comes from the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. You know, when Jesus was announced that he would come, it was done by reading the book of Isaiah. When you look at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet that around 700 years B.C. prophesied about the coming of this Messiah, this Savior. Adelin, during the kids' choir, read that verse, and, and I want to read it to you. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, and, and the truth is, it's probably one of the more famous Christmas passages that you'll ever hear, and it says this, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, this passage describes a king that's unlike any other king ever seen. It's simply pointing us to Jesus and for us to recognize that while when he comes into this world, the people of that time were going to experience a peace that otherwise they wouldn't. But it's also to understand that thousands of years later, there's still no end to his peace. Because I love what verse 7 says there. It says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. There is no end to the peace that we can experience in Jesus, that peace that transcends anything else, the peace that we're looking for. What if you could have peace, not just in this moment during Christmas, but what if you could have peace in every season of life? Because that's really what the prophet Isaiah is saying. There is peace and joy that you can experience that doesn't have to be confined just to the Christmas season. You see, and that peace is found in its presence. It's found in his presence. It's found when people experience the presence of Jesus, it transforms them. I'm reminded of a story this past week at Joy. In fact, Wendy and I personally experienced it. Right after we were up here, and it's right before service is about to start, and we're just kind of cutting up up here. We're doing pre-show. We're doing giveaways. We're doing our best to be funny. Wendy's looking beautiful. I'm trying to be funny. It's not going very well. And we walk over, and we're getting ready to start. And this woman that's sitting behind us, she was a widow. She's sobbing. And she grabs Wendy and I. I'm thinking, were we that bad? Like, we brought this poor woman to tears. It was terrible. She's sobbing because she says, I'm just so overwhelmed. I was invited by a friend. I lost my husband a little over a year ago, and I haven't been to church since then. But when I came in here, I'm overwhelmed by God's presence. Here was what's amazing. What had she physically experienced up to that point? Well, she had experienced you being welcoming, giving her hot chocolate and getting cookies and, and little snacks. She experienced Wendy and I doing our best to be humorous and do giveaways. She hadn't even heard worship. She hadn't heard the message yet, yet she's overwhelmed by what? The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Service goes on. She's just overwhelmed all through service. She's crying during worship. She's crying through the message. I, I see the lady that invited her. 
And I asked her, how is she doing? She said, well, she came to me afterwards. She said, I really want to stay for the after party, but I can't. I just need to go home and process all that I've experienced because I'm so overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Where does that come from? It's not any individual person. It's not the hot chocolate that she got. It's not the gift that she got. It's not the worship or the Christmas songs. All of those things are good and well. But what was it? At the end of the day, it was the presence of Jesus that impacted her life. And that's what we all want. We want that. We're searching for that peace and for that joy. And when I think of that searching, I'm reminded of a a similar searching that happened in the Christmas story. There was a similar group of individuals that were searching for that peace. We've heard of Mary and Joseph and the angel shows up to them and arrives and and lets them know of the coming of their son, Jesus. We heard last week about how the angel of the Lord showed up to the shepherds, but now Jesus has been born. And there are three individuals, the three wise men. They were also called the three magi. Now that word magi also refers to similar to what it would be equated to as a king. So you have these three individuals that are of kingly state. They're educated. They're experienced. They're knowledgeable. And yet here they are. They are searching out for this Messiah that they've heard of. They've seen the star and they're following it. And on their way they stop off. In Jerusalem, and they meet with King Herod. And and this is where we pick up in Matthew chapter 2, verse 7. King Herod sends them on their way. And watch what King Herod tells them. It says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring bring me word that I too may go and worship him. Now, if you're familiar with the Christmas story, Herod, he was really actually wanting them to kind of be like spies. He wanted to know where the baby was. He had heard of the prophecy of the coming Messiah. He was insecure and threatened by the arrival of this king. And so that's why he sends the Magi there. Yet they had their own idea. They had their own uh, uh, longing Because they were searching for something. They too had heard the prophecy. They too had heard and read Isaiah 9. That this prince of peace, this wonderful counselor, this mighty God was coming. And they wanted to search him out and find him. So it says in verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasure, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed, on their own, departed to their own country by another way. So look at what they did. They come into the presence of Jesus, they fall down, they worship, and they give gifts. But there's something else that they did. When you look at that scripture, as you look at it on the screen, it says they went their way. They they had their own preconceived idea of what it would look like. Remember, Jesus as the Messiah didn't show up like people thought. He didn't come as this conquering king, this, this ruler, this warrior. He didn't come. There were those at that time thought perhaps he's going to come in the context of a natural disaster. No, he came as a baby. 
Yet when in his presence they fell, they worshiped, they gave. And when they did and they experienced the presence of the Prince of Peace, they went another way. You see, that's what happens when we experience the gospel. You come one way. You come broken. You come overwhelmed. You come anxious. You may come with a life full of sin and hurt and pain. But when you experience Jesus, can I tell you what happens? You leave another way. You go different. God does something to you because when you come into the presence of Jesus, it transforms you. And there's a peace that we experience. You see, that's what the gospel does. You come one way, but you leave a different way. You experience Jesus one way, and you come and you have all that you bring, yet you leave different. That's the power of Jesus in our life. And it starts first in salvation, but can I tell you? When you experience the Prince of Peace on an ongoing basis, it transforms you. You see, when, when you give your life to Christ that's, and, you, and, and you surrender your life, you're transformed instantaneously. You go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. That's called justification. But there's this other process that when we engage with Jesus, when we engage with his word, when we are in his presence, it transforms us. And as he works in our life, it changes us from the inside out. That's called sanctification. You see, this peace that you experience, the peace that these kings experienced, it can be ongoing. It doesn't have to be just in a single moment. It doesn't have to be just during Christmas. It can be for every season of life. So where does Jesus bring peace? Where does he bring peace in our life? Well, Jesus brings peace in a couple of ways. First, he brings peace in my challenges. John 16, I love what Jesus says there. It says, I have said these things to you that... In me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So everything that you're working through, everything that you're experiencing, everything that you walk through, you can experience peace in every challenge, in every tribulation. You can experience peace in your soul. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, Neither let them be afraid. You see, the gift that Jesus brings is he gives the gift of peace. And it settles our soul. He brings peace to your relationships. How many need peace in your relationships? How many have relationships even now you're thinking about and they need peace brought to them? Colossians 3.15. Paul writes and he says, And let let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it rule in your hearts. That means there's peace that trumps everything else. The anxiety, the fear, the pain, the bitterness, the hurt, the unforgiveness. Peace trumps all of that. It trumps all of those things. You see, Paul's writing here and he's talking about our interaction and how we interact with people, our relationships. You can have peace in your relationships. Some of you, there are ways in which you set up peace too. You have peace by having the conversation. Some of you, perhaps you need to have a conversation with those you love because of the challenging things that you're experiencing in your relationship. Some of you, peace looks like setting boundaries and guidelines. There have been people in your life, perhaps family members, that don't honor you. They don't honor the way in which you're raising your family or live your life, and you've had to set up boundaries. Can I tell you, setting up boundaries is good. Just because you have peace in your relationship doesn't mean you don't have boundaries and guidelines. So Jesus brings peace in our relationships, but here's the last thing. He brings peace in every season. 
2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord will be with you. You see, at all times and in every season, you can experience peace. The thing that you're in the middle of, the thing you're about to walk into the middle of, the circumstance and situation, the life that you're living, you can have peace beyond just Christmas, beyond a difficult moment. You can experience peace in every season. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe you've come to that place before. You say, I'm tired of the way I'm living. I don't like how things are transpiring. I've come one way, but I want to leave a different way. I'm not satisfied with how my marriage is or what my responses are. I'm not satisfied with how I'm engaging with my children. I'm not satisfied with how I'm leading in business or how I'm interacting with friends or other family. And I've come one way, but you can leave a different way. You can respond a different way. You can live a different way. That's what happens when we come into the presence of the Prince of Peace. You see, I want, to, I want to make it very deliberate and practical for you because you can experience peace in every season. You can come one way and leave a different way. And I want you to know that the peace that you're looking for first begins when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. When you experience the Prince of Peace being your Lord and Savior. But it goes beyond just that. You can experience peace in every season. And the challenges that you're experiencing and what you're longing for, because that's what we want. We want that for our family. We want that for our children. We want that in our marriage. We want that in our relationships. Young people in here, you want that at school. You're tired of the drama, the stress that you feel going off to college or preparing for college. We all want peace. It doesn't matter the age or the season that you're in within life. We are all looking for this peace. It can only be found in Jesus. So how do we do that? How, how do we discover peace in every season? Well, here's the first thing, is we have to recognize where peace comes from. Where does peace come from? You see, the wise men recognized. They recognized. And when they did, what did they do? They came into the presence of Jesus, and they did what? They fell to their knees. What were they doing? They were humbling themselves. They were humbling themselves. You see... You can experience peace when you walk with humility. Humility will solve problems. Pride creates problems. The difficult times I've experienced in my life have often been a byproduct of pride in my life. That's what it comes down to. And you think, well, Pastor Chris, I mean, we're supposed to be talking about Christmas. You're talking about pride? Well, no, we're talking about peace. But it's your pride that keeps you from the peace that you're looking for. In my own life, what does pride look like? You think, well, is pride like, is that someone that's like real boisterous and outlandish? And they're like, hey, look at me. No, no, no. Oftentimes, pride just simply is portrayed as, I think I know better. I, I know better. I don't need anyone to do. And you, look, this has been a journey for me. I have to fully, full on embrace humility. I got to pursue it. I got to chase it down. Because my normal propensity is pride. I mean, yes, all of us probably have that, but, but me in and of myself, I mean, that's where I'm dialed into. You can ask Wendy. In fact, I, at first service, I called her Love Biscuit. If you've been around Milestone McKinney at any amount of time, I reference her as Love Biscuit all the time. I actually was talking to a gentleman today. He said, someone was asking me, what's Pastor Chris's wife's name? He said, 
Actually, I did not know her name. It's, I've always heard you call her Love Biscuit, so I just said Love Biscuit. So just to clarify, her name is Wendy, but I just call her Love Biscuit. She will answer to Love Biscuit also. She has been in a grocery store. Someone has yelled out, Love Biscuit, because they didn't know her name. They said Love Biscuit, and she answered. But Love Biscuit will let me know where I'm a little prideful. Because here's how I tend to posture myself. I may be wrong, but I'm rarely in doubt. I don't, I, I, I mean, there's times where I know I'm right, and there's times where I'm really not sure, but I will definitely, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dial into it like, I, I, don't, I don't doubt. This is what it is, you know. I'm, you know. But it's my pride that keeps me from the peace that I'm really looking for. It's pride that holds me back. You see, let humility, let's make humility not just our goal this Christmas, but in life. In life. You have these kings that they were educated. They had all these exploits. They had learned and known all of these things. Yet what did they do in the middle of all of that? They still humbled themselves. They still humbled themselves. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be educated or knowledgeable. Know the word of God and know, the, know about the things of God. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't serve and do all those things and be a part, live a generous life, all of those things. But can I tell you, all of that, if not motivated by humility and not birthed out of humility, will not lead you to the peace that you're looking for. It's humility. When I recognize where is the origin of my peace, it's Jesus. And I need him. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know every answer. I, don't, I need to know that I'm smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough to know. And I need someone to help me see what I do not see. And what begins to happen is when we think I've got it all figured out and I know, then we don't really. I mean, James talks about it. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Peter talks about pursuing humility. Why? Because the peace that we're looking for is on the other side of humility that we live. That's how we need to live it out. C.S. Lewis said this, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So here's a little practical takeaway. Who can you tell this Christmas season, how can I serve you? What if you, on the drive home, leaned over to your spouse and said, how can I serve you? Now make sure they're not the one driving, they may have an accident because they're shocked that you ask them that question. But what would it look like if we went above and beyond to serve one another, love one another, love those who the peace that we're looking for originates in Jesus. And when we posture ourselves with humility, God loves humility. He gives grace to the humble. It helps us experience the peace we're actually looking for. Here's the second thing. If we're going to experience peace in every season, you place your affection on the one that can give you peace. You place your affection. Look, we are in a moment in a season where there are so many things vying for our affection and our attention and our time. But when we place our affection on the one that can actually give us peace, it changes everything. What did they do? It says that these wise men fell to the ground. And when they fell to the ground, what did they do? They worshiped. 
Now, I'm not just simply talking about when you come to church, you clap your hands, you raise your hands, you sing, you shout, whatever it is. That is part of it. But what is worship? I shared with you a few weeks ago about worship. And worship is simply ascribing worth and value to something. And in this case, you're ascribing it to Jesus. You're ascribing it to God. And when you do, it puts you in a position to experience peace that otherwise you would not. They fell down and they worshiped. And what I love is this. These wise men, when did they worship? See, they, they recognized and knew he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But practically, physically, in reality, what was he? He was still a baby. They worshipped him before he had ever done anything for them. You see, when we worship before Jesus ever does anything for us, when we ascribe worth and value, think, well, if, if God just does it, you know, I've been believing and praying that God's going to do X, Y, and Z. And when he does that and I have this breakthrough, then, okay, I'm going to worship. No, no, no. Before the breakthrough, you worship. On the way to the breakthrough, you begin to worship. And when that begins to happen, you begin to experience peace that is only found in him. It's only found in him. So when I set my attention and my affection on the one that can actually give me peace, Guess what I get to do? Experience peace. And then lastly, what begins to happen is this. If we're going to live and experience peace in every season, you have to live generously. You have to live generously. So they fell down. They worshiped. And what did it say? It said, then they gave of their gifts. Now, there's three particular gifts here. You're probably familiar with them if you're familiar with the Christmas story. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, what was gold? Gold, which speaks of the king. They recognize him as Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Frankincense. Frankincense is, was, was a scent used, an anointment used for priests. And so they recognize him as their high priest. But then there was myrrh. Myrrh was an anointing oil, but it was also a, an oil used for embalmment, knowing that he's also the one that's going to die on the cross for our sins. So they recognized him. They recognize him, what, as king? They recognize him as priest. They recognize him as savior. And what they did is they came and they generously gave. You know, it's always easier to be generous with someone else's bank account. You ever thought about that? Like, man, if I had their money, boy, I'd, yeah, I'd be generous. I'd give this. No, no, no. It says they gave of their treasure. Now, when I'm talking about generosity, I'm not just talking about finance. I'm talking about a way in which we live our life, that we're generous in our time. Yes, our treasure, but also our talent. And I'm so proud of you, Milestone, because you have been living this out over the last few months just to hear and see the stories of how people's lives have been impacted because of your generosity. But I want you to know, when you live generous, it opens up your heart. It opens up your heart first by experiencing salvation. Then it opens up your heart because you start to surrender areas of your life and you grow in your relationship with Jesus. But then it opens up your heart because you begin to serve and live a generous lifestyle. I heard this neat story, and really this story has kind of been going on since just around Thanksgiving. And it's a story of generosity. You see, because when you experience peace and hope, when you experience generosity... Here's what begins to happen. We begin to give hope because we've received hope. That's why we do what we do. And I want to share with you a story because this story, really, you can look at this on one end and, and you can go, well, it's easy to see who the generous individual was. But it may not be entirely who you think. 
Jesus is a story of a, a single mom named Cheryl in our church, who's amazing, and, and then another individual named Sarah. And, and I want to share with you, these were some texts that were sent to, to Esther, and, and I love how Cheryl even phrases it here. And I, want, I put them on the screen, I want to read them for you. And I asked Cheryl, because here's what I want you to get, this isn't my story. This isn't Milestone's story. This, this is Cheryl's story about how Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is meeting her. It says, Esther, I have no words. Free turkey, Thanksgiving dinner, and now I find out someone sponsored us for Christmas. A few weeks ago, we did Christmas Compassion, where families were adopted by other families to help them through the Christmas season. It says, I've never been in a church that cares so much I don't know many people at Milestone, but I know you, so you get the text. I'm overwhelmed by the kindness and generosity our family has encountered here. I came to Milestone just looking for a place for my kids and for for us to grow spiritually. We have found so much more. I'm the kind who doesn't expect others to do anything for me. I just want the church to know how filled with gratitude I am. Thank you. Also, for your friendship, it means so much. Amazing. Just a single mom being loved on. Then she goes to Joy this past week. And so, because Esther is the one that she has her number. She asked, guess what? Esther gets it. I'll be handing out Esther's number. Her husband, Stephen's like, thank you so much. No, I'm just kidding. We don't text Esther. I mean, yes, you can text Esther, but you know what I'm saying. Here's what Cheryl said. I hope you don't mind getting these messages, but I don't know who else to tell. She was at Joy the previous night. She said, it was such a blessing last night. It was just what I needed, and the gift box was totally unexpected, but much appreciated. I'm so excited to start the study. So generous, thoughtful. Milestone is truly a special church. Also, Sarah McGee, this is what I want you to get here. My sponsor and I were able to meet, and I've made a new friend. We're making plans to get together since we both have trouble getting out of our homes. That's awesome. Here's a single mom, her family being blessed, being loved on. Now she's making friends. You think, okay, that's it, man. This lady, Sarah, Milestone Church, y'all are so generous. Is that the point? No, no, no. It gets better. Because Sarah, this past week, texts Esther. Now, I want you to know, we're not like texting people like, hey, send us a text about something great that's happening. These are just coming, and no one has anyone's number other than Esther's. So Esther gets all the texts. Which I'm grateful because she then just sends to me and then I go, hey, will you ask them if we can share their story? Look at what Sarah just happened to send this past week. She's replying to to Esther here. And she says, uh, in speaking of Cheryl, she's super sweet. Long story short, I battled some horrible depression this year after working COVID and burning out. I got attacked by a dog and had to have my fingertip reattached. I had some major PTSD, and I wasn't wanting to leave my house, so coming to church was a huge deal to me. And as crazy as it sounds, adopting a family made me get out and shop for things. Then meeting her, because I don't really know anyone since moving to Texas, has helped me tremendously. That's why I say she thinks we helped her, but really, it helped me more than she will ever know. You want to know why? Because not only did Sarah live generous, so did Cheryl. Cheryl could have been like, hey, appreciate the turkey, appreciate the gifts, thank you, bye. I ain't looking for any more friends. I got enough going on in my own life. No, no, no. She said, let let me befriend this individual. And here's Sarah going, we were a blessing, but it was more of a blessing to me. You see, that's what happens when you live 
generously. Cheryl and Sarah are experiencing a peace that's found in Jesus. And they're experiencing that. Why? Because they are learning and recognizing, where does my peace come from? It comes from Jesus. How do I experience it at a level that otherwise I wouldn't? Well, I set my affection and my attention on Jesus. But then I begin to live generously. And when I do, it impacts me in a way that nothing else could. You see, how do we make this very practical for you? We all want to experience that joy and that peace. And some of you have. Maybe you're like Cheryl or Sarah and you've experienced that. And your life has been impacted. But here's really what it comes down to. That's only half of it if we stop there. What if someone experienced the same joy and peace that you've experienced? What if they come in to this environment and in here and much like that widow experiences the presence of Jesus? Because it's not about the cookies and the hot chocolate. It's not about the songs and the music or the kids choir, my message or anything. All those things are well and good, but here's what it comes down to. It comes down to someone experiencing Jesus. We make it real practical for you. Like, how, how do we do that? Well, there's an invite card on your seat. Take that. Don't let it end up on your floorboard. Give it to somebody. You got yard signs. I mean, real. if you're like, I don't want to hand a card out to anybody. I mean, we put the fruit away. Just take a yard sign. Put it in your yard. You're like, I did my part. Man, just pray over it before, you know, people, Lord, everyone that drives by, let them just be inspired. Let them know I'm inviting. Whatever it is, take a yard sign. Take an invite card. Why? Because it really is that simple. You don't have to have a three-point message. You don't have to coerce anyone. There are people in your neighborhood. That widow that came, what I love is the lady that invited her. She goes, she's in my neighborhood. Like, here's a widow in my neighborhood. I could be doing so much more for her. And I'm just telling you, the ladies at Joy, I mean, they showed up. I mean, I'm telling they invited so many women that were in here for the very first time. Those invite cards, it's not about marketing. It's not about promotion. Matthew 22, Jesus tells a parable. He talks of king and the king telling individuals, go to the highways and byways, compel them to come. Why? Because when someone experiences Jesus, they will come one way, broken and alone and hurt and in need of peace, and they will leave a different way. I want that for you. I want that for your family, for your children, for your neighbors. You see, because it's on the other end of an invite that transformation happens. All you have to do is simply say, here you go. I'll save a seat for you. Some of you are familiar, RSVP. Anyone know what that actually stands for? It's French. Respondez-vous, s'il vous plaît. You didn't know. Which means, please respond. But if you live in Texas, it means, y'all coming? Y'all coming? Y'all is a word. All the people from up north moved down here. You're like, y'all, y'all, yeah, y'all. All you got to do is hand a cart and say, y'all coming? I'll save a seat. Love for you and your family to join it. What could happen? See, I shared a story last week, and I want to share that story again this week. There's a couple in our church, Gus and Carla, and they're just amazing at inviting individuals to come with them to church. Well, they invited a single mom about a month, month and a half ago. That mom came. When that mom came, she brought her daughter. 
Well, Lila came to Fall Retreat. It's an environment we have for our students, and her life was impacted. God did a work, and Laura sent us a, a message on Facebook saying, I don't know what happened, but all I know is my daughter is fired up for Jesus. Well, last week, Lila got baptized. She got baptized. Her life impacted by Jesus. She came one way. Here's a little girl. Got a single mom. Her father. She's navigating that. She's in middle school. She's navigating that. And yet she came one way, experienced the presence of the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And she left a different way. And because of that, she was baptized. Why? Because someone just simply said, y'all come in. You don't have to be eloquent and have all the right words. You just have to be willing.